0: Surprise! It is a bonus episode of the Rise Podcast on a Monday. Isn't that crazy? But we have a really good reason for bringing you today's episode. We have launched our first ever podcast inside of our podcast network that is not me or Dave. It's Trent Shelton. If you guys are not already familiar, this last week, Trent launched his new podcast under the Hollis Company umbrella, and we could not be more excited to have his incredible wisdom, his fire, his teaching, all of the things for you, our community. And as a special bonus for Rise listeners, we're going to play you an entire episode of Straight Up with Trent Shelton. So if you want to get an idea of what you can expect from him every week, listen to what's coming next. And if you like what you hear, which I know you will, just go ahead and scroll on down below to the link for his podcast where you can subscribe. Remember, if you are enjoying a podcast, it's important to tap that subscribe button so you get a new notification every single time we post an episode. Happy listening.
1: What's up, rehabbers across the world? Welcome to Straight Up with Trent Shelton. Throughout my career, from the NFL to sold-out stages speaking to thousands, I built up a toolkit to break through negative mindsets, let go of what's holding you back, and start rehabbing your life. And every show is going to be jam-packed with tips, tricks, and tools to push you forward. I'm always going to be real with you and give you the 100% truth, even when it's going to pierce your heart. This is me, Trent Shelton. Straight Up. Straight Up. What's up, rehabbers across the world? Man, it is here, the very first episode of Straight Up. Listen, guys, you guys have been asking me to do a podcast for the last, like, eight years. And I've been putting it off, but I heard you guys' requests, and so we are here. Today, we're going to be talking about the rehab process and rehabbing your life. I know a lot of you guys are familiar with my story, um, but for you guys that aren't, I'm going to tell you my story and how I got here. And so moving forward, anybody asks me like how to rehab time start, I can just say go to episode one of the straight up podcast. Let me be clear about something. I never want to be a speaker. I never wanted to start rehab time. I never want to be an author, anything like that. Um, if you ask my dad, it's so funny. If you ask my dad, he would tell you out of his three sons that I would be the least, the least to be a speaker, because I've been and still am such an introverted person. So people ask, like, how are you so introverted but you're so extroverted at the same time? So let me break this down to you real quick. My whole entire life, right? Since I was 4 years old, it was for me to be a football player. That was it or for me to just play sports, baseball, basketball, uh track, and I had two older brothers so I like I had no choice because I wanted to follow in their footsteps. And you might be thinking, well, how does this relate to me? Just think about something that has been your identity, right? Something that Um, maybe it's a job, maybe it's, it's a relationship and you feel like that is your everything. Right. And so that was me with football. That was my everything literally. So since I was maybe seven, six, whatever, my only focus was to make it to the NFL. That's what I thought success was, you know, growing up where I grew up at, that's what success was, was making it professional. So I set my sights on that since a young age. I lived in New Orleans, Louisiana. We moved to Texas. And if you live in Texas, you know that football is like God. Football is everything. So I get to Texas. Um, kind of fast-forward a little bit. I was an outstanding athlete in Texas. Um, you know, top in the state at receiver my senior year. I get a full athletic scholarship uh, to Baylor University. Blessed enough there. i uh, Played five years, registered in my first year. And what's funny is I actually had a degree in speech communications. So hopefully this podcast or another podcast, I can tell you why that was the case. Um, but I had, a, I had a bachelor's degree in speech communications. And the reason I took that is because I wanted an easy way so I can focus on football because my goal was the NFL. Um, I had an outstanding season, all Big 12. And I'm thinking I'm going to be a fourth round pick. Okay. Okay. It doesn't happen, and I'm gonna tell you something. Like when you expect to be like a fourth round pick and you're watching the NFL draft, like it sucks. Just imagine like you're waiting on someone to call your name and they never call it, and so immediately from that standpoint, I was like, man, you know, my life is is pretty much over. I was feeling less at that moment, but I was faking it till I make it. My mom was asking me, "Trin, are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm good," even though I wasn't good at all. Um, End up getting picked up by the Indianapolis Colts. As an undrafted free agent, okay, so I'm getting to play with Peyton Manning. It's crazy, Reggie Wayne, and so these are people that I looked up to since middle school. You know, so they're like my heroes, and I'm getting to play. And so I'm excited. Things are going great. You know, uh, I'm thinking that I'm gonna be in Indianapolis the whole entire year and you know, the rest of my career. All these things, but as an undrafted free agent, you start at the bottom of the totem pole, right? I mean, you have to prove yourself because. It's a business. A lot of people don't understand the NFL is a business. So they had two guys drafted at receiver in front of me, right? They had a a first-round pick, which you invest millions of dollars in. They had, I think, a fifth-round pick. So I'm an undrafted free agent, and I didn't understand the business part. So I'm, like, balling in training camp. I'm talking about I'm not saying this because it's me saying this, but you guys can go ask other people that was there if you want to do that. But I'm, like, balling. So I just know that I'm going to make the team, right? Uh, I lead all rookies in preseason. It's crazy, right? Things are just going my way. I scored a touchdown back in Texas. We played the Cowboys, the first preseason game. I do a radio interview, and I'm like, man, I'm going to score a touchdown. And I end up scoring a touchdown, so everybody's pumping me up. It's like, man, you're going to make the team. And um, it gets to the third preseason game, and the Colts don't play me. And I didn't understand, like, what was going on because I was balling. One of the veterans, I'm not going to say his name, but he pulled me to the side, and he said, they're hiding you. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, you're playing so good that if they release you and your stats keep coming up like this, they're going to release you, and another team is going to claim you off waiver. So they're hiding you to lower your stats because they're probably going to practice squad you and, you know, try to groom you and mold you into a you know into a professional receiver. You know, you'll kind of be like a project for them, you know. Hopefully you can grow into a starting position, et cetera. And that's exactly what happened. I didn't play the third and the fourth preseason game, so I ended up getting cut. Um, but I was okay with that because, you know, I was like, okay, cool. They're going to put me on practice squad. I'm going to move up to the active roster at some point. You know, it was my whole plan. So what I do is I go literally back where I'm from because I want to show everybody that I made it. So what do I do? I go to uh, the car dealership. I buy this truck because it was a promise to myself. So I bought this Avalanche truck out of my budget. But I'm thinking I'm going to make millions of dollars when <laughs> that never happened. So I go get the truck. I get this apartment. And literally, I'm in Indianapolis for two games, and I get a call, and it was a 317 number for you guys that live in Indy. You know, that's the area quote. I pick up the phone. I'm actually at the bank, depositing a check on an off day. Terrible Tuesday is what we call in the NFL. Terrible Tuesday is when most people get cut or you get signed, and so I answer the phone. And they tell me, you know, hey, you know, bring your playbook and come to the office, so I'm thinking, like, maybe they're going to give me a new playbook. Maybe they want to talk about plays. This is my chance, and so I get there, and to make a long story short, they take my playbook and they send me on my way. They cut me. So I don't know, you know, what's going on now. Um, all these emotions are flooding my mind. You know, I just signed a lease at an apartment. I have to break the lease. I just bought this truck. What's going on? So I pack up my stuff and I drive from indy all the way to texas and let me tell you something if you've ever been just imagine like getting dumped or something like that and you got to drive i mean how bad that feels you get fired like it's the worst drive ever but just imagine driving 13 14 hours after you get fired and you're going back home knowing that people know you in your city and they're going to see you and so i drive back home and literally i like isolate myself which is the worst thing that you can do when you're going through something. I isolate myself and I stay in my room in my mom's house. I didn't go out because I knew if I went out, people would be like, it's September. Why are you back home? Aren't you supposed to be in Indianapolis? Don't you have a game? So I suppressed myself. And if you don't know, and we'll talk about this. I'm sure at some point in one of these podcasts, that suppression leads to depression. And so a week later, I get a call back from the Colts and they bring me back. So I drive back up there and I'm on the practice squad and everything is going good. Um, I'm actually in out again. I'll never forget this moment. This is the moment where I felt like just all the air deflated out of my body. We're playing a Monday night game against the San Diego Chargers. Coach Tony Dungeon, which is an incredible guy, incredible coach, taught me so much. Incredible man. He pulls me to the side and says, hey, Trent, we're going to activate you this week. Just make sure you're ready. Those words couldn't have came at a worse time. And the reason I say that is because I was struggling with a knee injury. And I literally was popping Vicodin. Like, I don't know if you ever took pain pills, but Vicodin just to practice. Because I knew if I couldn't practice full speed, I would be going home. And I know this is kind of a long version of this story, but I have to tell you this to set the tone. I promise we won't visit this again, but I want to set the tone when it comes to rehab time. And I'm like wrapping my knee up. I'm limping Everything. He comes to me the end of the week after he told me, that, I said, Trent, man, like, I want to activate you, but we can't use a guy that's not full speed. And he's like, we're going to go with somebody else. Talk about feeling like your life is over. Your dream is over. That's what happened because I knew that was my shot. I end up staying up there for the rest of the season. And after the season, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, that season, you know, didn't go the way I wanted to go, but at least they like me. They're going to keep me up here. In the offseason, I'm about to head back to Indy. I get a call, and they cut me. They said, we're going to go in another direction. So it sucked. And that was my whole career. You know, I get signed with the Seahawks. The same things happen. I mean, there's even a point where I was back home. The Seahawks called me from to, to go to the airport. I'm in Dallas. Like, if you live in Dallas-Fort Worth, you know Dallas-Fort Worth is like 45 minutes. It's really like two separate cities. And I told him I was like, hey, can I come tomorrow? He's like, no, we need you to come tonight. So I drive from Dallas to Fort Worth, pack my bags, I get to the airport, and they give me a call 206 area code, and they say, never mind. And like, that's the type of I only want to say games, but business, the NFL is that a lot of people don't see. Obviously, it's wearing on my mindset. And throughout my whole career, I probably got cut 10, 11, 12 times throughout this process, going from city to city, living a very unstable life. And in these moments, instead of Using this failure, instead of using this setback to grow my life, I was using it as an excuse to really not help myself at all. I was turning to things like women, drugs, all these things, right, that give me temporary fulfillment. Like a lot of times we do when we're going through hard times. You know, I didn't know that hard times could build the greatest version of yourself at that time. I didn't know hard times were just a period of your life that will help you strengthen your life. For me, I thought that I'm losing my everything, so there's nothing more to my life. 2008, Tristan Shelton was born, my son. And I'm going to be super transparent with you guys on Straight Up because it's straight to the point, real talk. I talk about this in my book, but I don't go in detail. Tristan wasn't planned, right? And actually at that moment, I had a I had an off-and-on-again relationship uh, with a woman at that time. Um, I cheated on her and got my now wife, Maria, pregnant with Tristan. At the same time, I'm getting cut, I'm getting released. My life is in shambles. And I wasn't being a man at all. I'm literally you know, blaming Maria. I'm literally blaming the girl that I was with. I'm blaming everybody. I'm living a life full of blame, right? And when you're in pain, that's what happens. It's everybody's fault because you feel like everybody's responsible for the pain and the situation that you put yourself in. Right? I wasn't taking any responsibility over my life. And I get into this situation and I remember it was in 2009. I'm in my mom's house, in my room, and I have this moment. I wish I could tell you it was a super magical moment, a conversation I had with somebody. It wasn't any of that. I'm literally in my room, and emotions flood my heart. I'm looking around my my uh, my room, and I'm seeing, you know, all these trophies. You know, since I was a little kid, I'm seeing, you know, all these accomplishments. I'm seeing pictures of my son. I'm seeing, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, uh, one of my good friends committing suicide. And I just thought in that moment, I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I realized I had a choice in that moment. I could either sit there and, you know, use it as an excuse not to do anything with my life, or I could use it as motivation to change my life. Knowing that I had a son that was going to follow in my footsteps regardless, I knew I had to make a change. And in that moment. I told myself it's rehab time. I always laugh at this because I don't know if it was Rihanna at the time checking in the rehab. I don't know what it was, but the word rehab just popped into my mind like so big. And there's always been kind of a negative connotation with the word rehab. You know, it's drugs, alcohol addiction. Rehab is simply putting a strength back into your weakness. So if we're being real, like you listening to this right now, you have something in your life that you can rehab at this moment, whatever it is. I have things right now, as I'm talking to you, things that I can rehab, you know, because if you're not growing, you're dying. We all have areas in our lives that we can improve. That's the thing about life. We always can grow. We always can move forward. And so in that moment, I was starting to think about all the things that I couldn't control though. And a lot of us, we never move into who we're created to be or we never move into our dream, our vision, because we allow the things that we can't control to paralyze us instead of focusing on the things that we can control. So I said, well, I can't control the NFL bringing me back. I can't control how people see me. I can't control, you know, people making fun of me, people's opinions that I'm not in. I can't control any of that. But what can I control? And I realized that I could control three things in that moment. I could control my mind. I can control my body. And I can control my soul. And so I said, it's rehab time. And for me at that moment, rehab was for me. And it's so crazy that I'm saying this now because everybody sees it now. They say, oh, you're like an overnight success and you get to speak to thousands of people, but they don't see the moment in 2009, literally when it was just me in my tears in my room. Nobody sees that. And for you out there, I hope that is motivation to people out there that you have to start somewhere to get somewhere, right? You have to be real with yourself, which we're gonna talk about in order to heal yourself. And so I'm in this position, I'm like, okay, mindset-wise. mind what does that mean? Well, I know I've written a book, The Greatest You, and I have another book called Straight Up uh, coming out. Whenever you listen to this, it might be already out. And um, I wasn't a reader. You couldn't get me to read a book for anything, for sure, not to write a book. But I knew in order to change my mindset, right, I had to obtain knowledge that I didn't have. And so that's a form of like discipline and growth. You got to do things that you don't like to do, things that you might never have done before in order to get your life to a place where you want to be. And so I said, well, what books can I pick up? I stumbled across John Maxwell, right? John Maxwell now is a friend of mine. It's crazy how that works. I stumbled across Les Brown. I started watching all these motivational videos and I wasn't into those type of things because I felt like I was self-motivated. I didn't need nobody else to motivate me or inspire me. I turned to my father, my dad's a preacher, and, and I started getting into my word more. But I started diving into these books and I hated reading, but I knew I had to do the things that I hated in order to get to a place that I love. And I knew if I kept on doing it, I would end up loving those things because I would start to realize how much this was growing my life. So I focused on my mind. The second thing I focused on was my body. And I think you know God was using, well, using football as a way to get my health right because I knew I still had one more shot at the NFL because you usually get a three-year. NFL stands for not for long, by the way, guys. But you usually get three years to prove yourself, and I had one more chance. I had one more workout, and I said, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I give my all because I don't want to live a regret. So I started eating healthy. I cut things out. I stopped going out. I stopped drinking. Then I stopped smoking. I stopped doing all these things that were hindering myself, right? I stopped uh, just doing destructive things that wasn't helping my health. So I said, I'm going to start going to the gym. So I would go to uh, the gym right down the street at 12 a.m., 24-hour fitness, 12 a.m. and put in work. Me and my friend, uh, he don't even realize that he you know, he was there at the beginning of rehab time. But we would go in the gym and say, you know what, we're going to make sure we have no regrets. And so I started getting my body right by working out and taking my body to a place that it's never been before. And the third thing was my soul. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what everybody's beliefs are, but if you know you follow me, you know, I believe strongly in God. You know, I feel like God, you know. God got me. That's what I love to say. And um, without him, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And so I knew that growing up as a pastor's son. Um, but I felt like my relationship with God was the relationship my mom gave me or my dad gave me. And it wasn't my own relationship. So I went on that journey by diving into my word more. I went on that journey by um, going to you know Bible study and all these things. And it's funny because I started doing streams, Bible study. And I wasn't even there yet. And a lot of times with people, and we're going to get into this rehab process in a second, guys. I just have to give you this story. But a lot of times as people, we wait to start our change, right, to things are perfect because we're so afraid to be judged. We're so afraid to be called a hypocrite. We're so afraid, you know, people will call us out. And the thing about it at that moment, I wasn't afraid of that. Because I understood this was a journey that I had to go on. I knew people would talk about me. Trent, why are you talking about why are you doing Bible studies when you still live in a certain way? Because I was living rehabish by the way, at that time. It was like one foot in, one foot out. But that's the part of the journey. If I would have never started that, I would never I would never be at the place that I that I'm at right now. And so mind, body, and soul, I focused on that. And that birth rehab time. So as I was at the gym, I would use stream. These workouts, I would do the Bible studies, and people would be asking me questions like, "Trent, how do I change this? How do I do this?" And I didn't even realize I was qualified to help people. But I realized I've been through so much in my life that when I started speaking from the heart and just being straight up, people's lives were being affected. And and that's what we do so many times: we talk ourselves out of our greatness because we don't think. A lot of times, we see our limitations, we see our failures, we see our setbacks, and we judge our lives, you know, based upon that, and we don't see our progressions. We don't see our future, and so I'm glad that I was able to see that at that time in my life. And I would do these, answer all these questions, and it got to a point where I just, I, I had no, t- I had no time to literally do u-streams every single day. So I said, man, how can I like help people? And so I picked up my phone and I started making what you guys know today as these rehab videos. I didn't have. Some studio. I didn't have, you know, what I have now. I didn't have a a cameraman. All I had was my iPhone. That's it. All I had was my iPhone. And I didn't think I was a speaker. I didn't think I was qualified to help people. I didn't think I was some, you know, therapist or whatever title you want to give me or counselor. I didn't think that at all. I just wanted to share my story with people. I wanted to be there for people. I wanted to give value to people because I knew how important it was to have that voice. You know, I knew how important it was to have a voice that where you feel like you are understood. So I started making these two minute videos and these two minute videos now are videos that you guys see across the world. But I wasn't afraid to start. And the catalyst, I feel like, or the, the thing that really anchored that down with rehab time was me letting go of football was me saying, you know what? I can't hold on to this anymore. And some of us listening to this right now, we're holding on to things that we need to let go of and your life will never be free if you continue to hold on to these things. But Trent, it's hard. But Trent, you don't understand. Trust me, I know it's hard. Trust me, I do understand. But as long as you're holding on to the things that you need to let go of, you'll never progress with your life. You'll never move forward with your life. And so I had to walk into my biggest fear, even being a public speaker. And I know I'm telling you guys a lot of stories, and I promise you I'm going to get to the meat of this concept, but I have to share this. I got invited to speak, and some of you read this in my book, at a young adults conference, like four or 5,000 kids. It seemed like 20,000 at the moment. And one of my friends, he pulled me to the side, and he said, you know, before I, he asked me to speak, he pulled me to the side. We had different conversations. Actually, he went to Baylor with me, Jonathan Evans. We played in Washington together, and he said, you have something inside of you? that you don't even realize. He said, I come from a family full of powerful speakers. He's like, you're a quiet person, but when you speak, people will listen. I want, I want you to come speak at my church. I'm like, absolutely not. I am not speaking at your church, bro. Like at that time I was trying to be a rapper. Like I was like, I'll rap or something like that. I am not speaking at your church. He convinces me to speak at his church and I was never more terrified because I know how I was as a teenager. Like if a speaker came in there, I was the kid that definitely the speaker saw me, he would get no confidence (laughs) because I I was the one showing I was uninterested. I was probably asleep and I was like, dang, like karma's going to come back on me. I get to the stage and literally I prepare like the whole night before. I'm like, "Okay, it's a five minute speech. I get all my talking points. I get to the stage and I forget everything, everything. Like I go like stage fright, whatever you want to call it. All those things happen. I remember in this moment, this is where this straight-up talk like, just came from. I remember in, this, in the moment that I said, you know what? God just used me. I spoke from the heart. And then after, like literally all these kids are coming up to me asking me all these questions about life. I'm like, I should be asking you. You're the one here. But ask me all these questions about life. And in that moment, I realized that this was it for my life. I was actually supposed to go report to New Orleans for arena football because I was still hanging on. And that's my point of telling you to let go of something, because trust me, I know it's hard to let go, especially when you're significant, your identity, everything else is wrapped up in that thing you're holding on to. But I knew I had to let go of that thing in order to progress my life. So I told the coach and it's funny, I made a deal with God. I was like, God, if you really want me to let go, you got to go three for three. God has a funny sense of humor, obviously. So I called my coach and I'm like, hey, like I'm not coming. I'm not playing arena football no more. I'm not coming down there. He's like, okay, well, that's weird. You know, you were just happy last week. What are you gonna do? And I was like, well, I'm gonna start this thing called rehab time, and I'm gonna do this. He's like, what is that? I was like, well, it's just me speaking. Like, that's all that I knew at that time. I didn't really have a vision for it. <laughs> I was like making up a vision to him so he wouldn't like shoot me down. But literally, he hung up in my face, and I'm like, all right, guy, you owe for one. Like, I'm turning it back. And then something in my heart was like, you know what? Just make these next two phone calls. The next set of phone calls was to my friends, because I feel like my friends would give me the confidence. They're like, hey, man, go do it. That was the total opposite. I call my friends. They're like, Trent, you tripping, bro. Like, you don't even know. You don't even like to speak. Do you realize how bad your past is? Like, people are going to crucify you, bro, when you come out and do these things. Do not do this. I had a few friends, and they're still with me here today, um, that was like, bro, I don't understand it, but I will tell you to go for it. So I'm like, God, you are 0 for 2. Like, I'm going to go back to playing football because that's what I know. You haven't given given me that sign that's letting me know this is what I'm supposed to do in my life. Third call that I made was to my parents. And for you guys listening to this, you know, you have that one parent that you want to answer the phone, the parent that's easiest to talk to. My mom, listen to this, mom, I love you. (laughs) But my dad is the easy, easy one to talk to. And I was just hoping that my dad answered the phone, but my mom answered the phone. And I'm like, oh gosh. So I'm telling my mom like, Hey, like, I'm sorry to disappoint you because this is what we do. We, We create these false narratives in our mind that, you know, like I was doing, like, oh, my parents only love me because I played sports. It was absolutely false. Or I'm only valuable if I do this job or if I stay in this. And if I leave this, then people are going to look at me. People might look at you a certain way, whatever. But a lot of times we create these false narratives in our minds. And that was my false narrative that my parents only cared about me because... I play football because that's what they would talk about. But that was what I was in. My parents wouldn't care what I did. They would be proud of me regardless just who my parents are. And so my mom answered the phone. I tell my mom, hey, like I'm not playing football anymore. And then the phone sounded like this. Yeah, it was that quiet. And you know when like it gets quiet and you like look at the phone and you just make sure the phone is on? And like yeah the numbers were still going so I knew I knew it was like a disconnection so I hit my mom's like hey like you there? It's like yeah she was like well I'm just trying to take this in like well okay well what are you going to do? And I was like well I'm going to do rehab time. Well, well what's rehab time? That's the question that people always ask you like what is this? I was like well you know it's just me rehabbing my life it's just you know me speaking and me just being she's like okay she's like well well like what made you like, what was it? And I was like, well, when I was on stage, I felt God spoke to me. And it's so funny for you guys that are raised up in a, um, you know, a Christian household or just any type of faith household, you know, you have, you know, my mom is like a Christian warrior. Right. And she was like, um, she was like, well, you know, like the enemy can speak to you too. And I was like, mom, you're not supposed to say that does that not give me confidence. And I told her, I said, mom, listen, like, I never had much, I never had so much peace. Because people ask me this all the time, I'm like, how did you know that, that this was it? I never had so much peace in the midst of confusion. I never had so much confidence in the midst of, like, fear. Like, even my most fearful moment on stage, when I started speaking, I just had this confidence. I was like, Mom, I just know that it's it. And She was like, you know what, say no more, that's God speaking to you. And so instead of going to 0 for 3, my mom telling me to go for it, even when she didn't understand it, my parents telling me to go for it, Like, really made me realize, like, this was it for my life. The anchor that anchored this all down was my college roommate committing suicide. I went to his service, and this was, like, 2011. So I already started the rehab time process. And, you know, I was taking it serious, but I wasn't taking it as serious before this happened. And this broke my heart. I mean, it's my roommate, you know, my college roommate. So one of my closest friends. And going to his service and realizing, like, people are struggling with mental health. And I didn't even realize that I struggle with mental health because there's times in my life where I didn't care about living anymore. Just to be real, because I thought my life was over, especially with football. And you see so many people go through these moments when they lose something, they start to lose their life. And I made a promise to my friend at his funeral. I said, man, you know, I'm sorry for not being there for you, but I promised that I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life. The rest of my life. And I hope you hear this realness in my voice, man the rest of my life to being there for people, to helping people know their self-worth. And I had no idea how I would do it, but I made a promise to him. I made a real commitment. And there's going to be a podcast where we talk about championship minds and the power of commitment. But I made this commitment to him. And that's when I started taking rehab time, you know, super serious. That's when I started stepping outside of my comfort zone. And that's when, I created this process that we're going to talk about right now on how to rehab your life. This process on rehabbing your life, I like to call it the rehab process. And I think it's something that I don't even think I know this is something that you can apply to any area of your life, wherever you're at right now. Listen to it. Maybe it's for your business. Maybe it's for your relationship. Maybe it's for your own personal life. Literally, these are three R's that you can apply and it literally will create change. Um, I still do it today. I still go through these processes every single day. Sometimes it's not as in-depth, but I still evaluate these things, these three R's, which we're going to talk about, which is reality, release, and repair. And we'll start with reality. I want to tell you this right now. And I know it's hard to face your reality. I know it's hard to understand that or come to grips that something is over, um, that something is going to be no more, or that you're going to lose something. And so many people never face it, right? One of the most powerful things that you could do in your life is to make a choice, period. Choice, there's no change without it. And for me, I spent probably three or four years not making a choice. And when you don't make a choice, life makes a choice for you. When you don't decide, you're still deciding. Indecision is still a decision. And so many people run from the reality, thinking that it's going to change, right? It's like the, I'm going to sweep it under the rug mentality. Like, I'm just going to hide it, and hopefully nobody sees it, and hopefully it'll disappear. But when you sweep things under the rug, it's funny, Tristan did this last the other week. Like, he, saw, he said he cleaned his room up. All he did was put all his stuff under the bed or in his closet. I'm like, bro, you didn't clean up your room. All you did was sweep it under so nobody could see it. And that's a perfect analogy with what so many people do with their lives. They try to hide it, right? They try to tuck it away thinking that it's not going to affect them. You can hide it from other people. You can hide it from your employees. You can hide it from your spouse. You can hide it from your kids. But one person that you will never fool is yourself. You got to go to sleep with yourself. You got to look in the mirror every single day. And that's what that whole tagline with Rehab Time, it all starts with you. That's what I told myself because I was running from our reality so much until I sat down and looked in the and I said, Trent, you know what? Nothing's going to change until you make a change. And I said, it all starts with you. Building your faith starts with you. Accomplishing your dreams starts with you. Being a better man starts with you. Being a better friend starts with you. It starts with making a choice. And when you don't make a choice, life will change decide for you. When life decides for you, you putting it up in chances hands. And i tell you right now, I don't leave things up to chance. I leave things up to choice. So when it comes to reality, you have to understand if write this down somewhere, you can see it every single day, by the way, you will never win your war by running from your battles. You'll never win it. Whatever that war is, If you keep running from those battles, Trent is so hard. Trent is so tough. Trent, you don't understand. Trent, it's easier said than done. I agree with all of those things. But those words aren't going to change your situation. What's going to change your situation is facing your battle. It's standing up to it. And it will be hard. It will seem impossible. But the only way to get to the other side is to face it. Okay, so... When it comes to facing your reality, there's three things I want to talk about that's going to help you, all right? Number one, you have to acknowledge it. You have to acknowledge it. You have to be real with yourself. Acknowledgement is power. If you don't acknowledge it, you cannot change it. Being in denial solves absolutely nothing. I was in denial that my football career was over. And you know what I was doing? I kept on hanging on to it. I kept on hanging, even when I didn't love it anymore, I kept on hanging on to it because I was in denial. It took me actually saying, okay, it is done. It is over for me to actually to change my life. So you got to acknowledge it. And acknowledging doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're saying it's okay. It just gives you permission to move forward, to actually make a change. The second thing that you have to do when facing reality is you have to own it, own it. I'm not telling you necessarily to just own the pain and say, okay, I'm pain or I'm this struggle. No. Own it, take ownership over your life. Too many times we make it, we make excuses for it. Whatever that it is, we make excuses for other people, we make excuses for ourselves. And I like to say it's living in the BC mindset. If you've been on, if you ever heard me speak on stage, you know I talk about this a lot. The BC mindset, you blame and you complain. It's everybody's fault, right? You point the finger. And as long as, even if it might be true, even if it might be other people's fault. Like for me, it was the coach's fault. It was my mama's fault. It was everybody's fault, my parents' fault. When you're in pain, you tend to blame. And even if it might be true, even if someone did you wrong, even if it was unfair, as long as you're blaming, as long as you're pointing the finger, you're giving that person that, that job, that position in your life, whatever that is, you're giving that the power to control your life, right? You're letting that person control your life because you'll never break free from it if you never take ownership of it. So you got to point the thumb. And this is the thing that I tell myself every single day, and it might seem kind of corny, but it's real. I say, it's on me. Where I go or don't go, it's on me. What I choose to allow to control my life or what I choose to break free from, it is on me, right? It starts with that decision. So instead of having that BC mindset, you got to have that AC mindset. AC means accept and change. You accept that it's happened. I accept that I was cut. I accept that, you know, I got Maria pregnant out of the way a lot. I accept that I wasn't a good friend at that time. I didn't stay there, but I accepted it because I knew if I accepted it, I could move from there. Accept and change. And when you accept and change, you take the power out of that situation. You take the power out of that person that's hurt you. You take the power out of that job that did you wrong. You take the power out of your past. And you can use that pain that that situation caused and turn that pain into your power. The reason I'm able to do a podcast and talk for this long, it's because of my hard times. The reason I'm able to create videos and content is because of my hard times. The reason I'm able to write books is because of my hard times. Like, pain to be real with you, and not saying that it has to be true for everybody, but pain created the platform for my power to be used the most. You know, I had a situation, um, and I'm not going to say any names because this person would probably listen to this, (laughs) but I had a situation I remember I was speaking out the country and I got did dirty by a promoter and I was angry. If you ever had somebody not pay you what you what they said they were going to do or somebody not keep that word. Like I cannot stand that. And so the pre rehab side of me was like, man, I'm gonna go see this dude. I'm about to buy a ticket out the country. I don't care how much it costs. I'm gonna find the dude and I'm gonna see the dude. And I obviously had to talk myself out of it because I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense. You're going to go to jail. You know, you got kids, you got all these things. Is it really worth it to do all of that? I'll spend money. I'll spend all that money, you know, doing all that. And I'll still be in the lost as far as what he owed me. And so I started to realize that this guy was having power over me because he made me not want to trust any other person. He made me look at people in a way that everybody was out to get me because of what he did to me. He was making people pay for mistakes that they didn't make because I'm like, no, nah, I don't trust you. Even if it could be the most trustworthy person in the world because I was still allowing that person to control my life. So how I got over that is I took ownership of it. I should have been better with the contract, right? I should have read signs because I had signs before with this dude, right? So I took ownership of it and I said, you know what? I can't do anything about it, but the way I'm gonna fix it is to keep impacting the world and I'll just make sure moving forward that I have my business in place, all right? So number two, in helping you face your reality, own it, right? Take ownership of it. Number three, after you acknowledge it, after you own it, you have to face it. You got to come face to face with the boogeyman. (laughs) You got to come face to face with your struggle. There's no way you can win the fight by sitting in the stands, right? You got to step into the ring. You might get hit. You might get knocked down. It might not. Well, I'm not going to say it's it's not going to go the way you want it to go. But as long as you have breath in your body, you can always stand back up. That's the beautiful thing about life. And the truth is you cannot fix. I want you to hear me with this. You cannot fix what you're not willing to face. You can't fix it. Right? You cannot heal what you're in denial with. Stop running from it and start running to it. What's the worst that could happen? You're in the same position that you are. But I tell you, if you have the mindset that I'm going to come into this situation with growth, that I know there's something on the other side of this fear. And we're going to spend a big chunk at some and straight up about fear. But the thing that I realized about fear, because a lot of us, Fear controls our life. The right, a lot of us, why we don't have that conversation with the person, right? Why we don't face the reality in certain situations because of fear. And all fear is, is creating a known result from a situation you haven't experienced yet. So when I realized this in my life, that the reason I'm not going to face my reality, the reason I'm not taking ownership of it is because I had so much fear paralyzing my life. I had so much fear paralyzing my progression. And it's because I attached a negative outcome to whatever that situation was. Right? I attach the negative outcome to me letting go of football. I attach the negative outcome for me taking ownership of my life. And so I realized if I can just change what awaits on the other side of the door by attaching a positive outcome, then I would face it and I would fix it and I would take ownership of it. So you have to face your reality, okay? That's the first R. I hope you guys got that. The second R, okay, is release. And this is my favorite R. All right, release. There's certain bridges in your life that need to be burned because there's certain things your life cannot afford to go back to. Disclaimer, I don't want you to think that just because something isn't perfect means that it's wrong. I think a lot of times we take this release part out of context. I live by these words, never quit on progression. Relationships aren't going to be perfect. Dreams and visions aren't going to be perfect. These things aren't going to be perfect. But you have to know when something is leading your life back to destruction. So what helped me was visualizing everything in my life as a bridge, okay? Because the truth of it is everything in your life is a bridge. It's leading you somewhere. So if you were to write down, say, all the people in your life, right? If you write down all the habits in your life, if you're to write down all the things that you do in your life, and this might take a little bit of time, but you'll start to realize where these things are leading you to. And one of the things that I love to say is start to say no, get great at saying no, which is a thing in championship mindset called discipline to the things that don't move you towards your yes. So you have to understand your vision, where you want to be, where you want to go with your life. What do you want to do? How do you want to feel? How do you want to operate your life? And once you have that clear, you have to go down the list and say, okay, this is not moving me. This bridge is not moving me towards that. So maybe it's time for me to burn that bridge. These friends, these friends, are not moving me towards that. So maybe it's time for me to burn that bridge. These habits in my life are not moving me towards that. So maybe it's time for me to burn that bridge. Okay, there's three things I want to talk about real quick. Three things that I feel like you need to burn. Okay, and don't go burn it like physically. I don't want y'all setting things on fire and you come blame me, all right? (laughs) But burn it in a spiritual, emotional way. So the first one is burn the environment. Okay, this is the thing that that I want you to understand about environment. If I'm not a gardener, by the way, but I just love this illustration. There's a quote. I can't think of the guy's name, but you can look it up. But the quote says that when a flower doesn't bloom, you don't blame the flower. You fix the environment. And how true is that? Like when something's like going on in your garden or, you know, I tried to be a gardener, but I failed miserably at it. And it was, I'll tell that story on another day. But I failed miserably at it. But when something's not growing, you change it. You fix it, right? You find a new environment. But a lot of times with our life, we're so loyal to our environment in which I'm a firm believer in loyalty. But I'm not a firm believer in allowing loyalty to become your slavery. Some of us, we're staying in an environment that we know is toxic for our life. And we're expecting to be this beautiful flower in an environment that's killing us. We're expecting to take our life to next level by staying in an environment that's keeping us at the same level. We're expecting to elevate our mindsets by staying in an environment that's killing our mindsets, right? Mindsets are very contagious. Like what you surround your life around, I know you heard this quote in personal development, you know, a lot. But it's true. What you surround your life around is exactly what you will become. So if I'm you right now, I'm thinking in my head, as you're jogging, as you're listening to this in the car, at home, wherever you're listening to this too, I'm thinking in my head right now, are the mindsets in my life, the environment in my life, right? do I want to catch what these people have? My friends, if I look in my circle of friends and I had to let go, right? I had to burn my environment of friends. Well, when my team, when my friend, when my circle, should I say, when my circle got smaller, my vision got clearer. I had to start realizing that, I was hanging around people who didn't want to go to where I wanted to go. And in order to move up, it's hard, but in order to move up, there are some things that you must be willing to give up, right? Whether that's friendships, whether that's certain relationships, whether that's certain partnerships. And I can talk about in every area of my life, business, from my employees, from my friendships, you know, from our own self, there's things that I had to burn in those environments. And so, Right now, if I'm you, I'm writing a list out of people and asking myself, okay, where are these people leading me to? And what's hard is when it's people you love. Right? Some of you are thinking, well, Trent, I love this person. Like, what do I do? I always say if you can't change the situation, you have to change your mindset towards the situation. Right? You have to plant seeds and hope that those seeds will will blossom. I'm in a blessed situation where my family, right? Those mindsets aren't negative, but I take initiative in being able to plant those seeds, right? I'm the man in my house. So I'm making sure my kids and my wife, they're on this growth journey in their own way. I don't make them grow in the way that I grow, but I'm making sure that they grow. Because if we don't grow together, then it's going to be a disconnection. So with your friendships, I'm making sure I'm having these conversations before I burn the environment. I'm letting them know, hey, like this is where I'm going with my life, you know, with my team. I tell my team all the time, hey, this is where I'm going with my life. This is what I'm doing you got to grow in your own type of way, right? You can follow my lead or you can figure out what works for you. But one thing's for sure is I'm not staying here. And that's what I told my friends back in 2010, 2011. Some of my friends got it. Some of my friends didn't. Some of my friends, you know, had my back even more. Some of my friends turned their back. But regardless of anybody's stands, I knew where I wasn't staying with my life. It wasn't necessarily knowing where I was going. I didn't know where I was going at that time with rehab time, but I for sure knew where I wasn't staying, right? You cannot heal by staying in the pain. You cannot grow by staying in the pain. You can't. And so you have to make a decision to burn the environment of pain that you're in or b- burn the environment of struggle, negative struggles. I like to say, because some struggle is is meant, right? Some struggle is meant to grow. But burn the environment of negative struggle in your life. The second thing that I would challenge you to do when it comes to release is burn the mindset, Okay. Burn the mindset. I lived in a limited mindset for so long. I lived in the can't mindset for so long. I lived in these words. I'm going to talk about this in the podcast a lot because it bugs me because this is the number one excuse that I get. And it bugs me because it used to be my number one excuse. I lived in the mindset of easier said than done. Right? I feel like you have two mindsets. You have a progressive mindset, which is beautiful. Because you're always focused on progression. I didn't say perfection, but a progressive mindset, and you have a limited mindset. And there's so many people that's living in their limitations. Some of you listening to this right now, you're like, but, Trent, easier said than done. I can't, Trent, right? That's a limited mindset. Your perspective can either be your power or your prison. And if you're thinking easier said than done, I hate to tell you this, but it's real. Your perspective is your prison, Period. You're living in a limited mindset. You're seeing the limitations instead of the elevation, instead of the progressions. You're seeing everything as limited. You're seeing the kits, right? Those mindsets are both right. So you have to force yourself to get into this progressive mindset. You have to force yourself to stop saying, why me and start saying, why not me? You have to force yourself to stop saying easier said than done To say no matter how hard it may be. You remember I told you earlier. I hated reading books. I hated working on myself. I wasn't born into personal development. But I understood not necessarily where I wanted to go. Where I wanted to grow from. And I knew that I had to apply these things to my life. I didn't have it all figured out. The only thing I had figured out. Was knowing that what I was doing. Was not working. So. Instead of saying easier said than done. Start saying No matter how hard it may be, no matter how impossible it may seem, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find a way to get it done. And that's the process of anything. Like you first start with, "Uh, I don't know if I can do this. And so many people stop there. So many people stop there because they live in a limited mindset. But once you break free from that and say, okay, I don't know if I can do this, let me prove myself wrong. And that's what a lot of you have to do is prove yourself wrong. Because if you're in a limited mindset, right, you have to prove yourself wrong because you're telling yourself what you can't do. When I started speaking, I was telling myself that I couldn't be a great speaker. So I had to prove myself wrong. So I had to face it back to my reality, right? I had to face it, come face to face with it and prove myself wrong. And once I prove myself wrong enough, I move from I don't think I can do this to I'm actually doing this. Like, wow, I'm actually living in it. And then I just kept progressing. and I moved from, I'm actually doing this to I'm doing more than what I can do. Like, wow, like I'm pretty good at this. So I'm, now it's like, what can't I do? And you move into that what's impossible mindset. And that's that growth mindset. That's that progression mindset. So if you're in a place where your mindset is not serving you, you have to burn that mindset and you have to place yourself in environments that will help you grow. Whether that's going to conferences, whether that's you know reading books, whether that's listening to podcasts, Etc. And I promise you, when you plant those seeds of growth in your life, you have no choice but to grow. The third thing when it comes to release is you got to burn the habits. Simple. I'm not going to spend much time on this, but burn the habits. Always do not create new results, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same things over and 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 over, and over, and over again, expecting the same results. You have to step out on fear. You have to step out on faith and you have to make a change. So focus on one habit that's not serving you. Focus on one habit that's not good. You know, I had a habit of not wanting to get up. And so I literally built my my self-control muscle, as I like to call it, and I started getting up. You know, and I tied an emotional, I tied an emotion to that. Um, I tied a deep reason to that, a rooted reason, as I like to call it, to that that made me get up an hour earlier. I'm always challenging myself when I'm thinking about these habits that don't serve me. And I'm always saying, okay, what habit can I replace here that's going to help me grow my life? So, the third R in this rehab process is repair. Okay, and this is the most important thing. So you face your the reality. And these are things you can do every single day, even on the smallest scale, right? So you face your reality, whatever that is, right? You came face to face with, say, okay, I have to do this in order to win my war. I got to go through this battle, whatever it is. Then you say, okay, well, I'm, I face my reality. Now I release the things that needed to be released. Now I let go of the baggage. Some of us are carrying dead weight, right? And this journey is already hard. Life is like climbing a mountain. If you were climbing a mountain, you wouldn't carry tons and tons of weight. You would let it go. That's the same mindset when it comes to life. Let the dead weight go. Drop the unnecessary baggage. Let it go. You know, you can go to new destinations all that you want. But if you're carrying the same baggage when you arrive at their new destination, so many people do this. They never release things. And yeah, they get to their new destination. They reach their goal. But once they get there at their new destination, they unpack the bags. And guess what? Those habits are still there. Those people are still there. And it's going to ruin your mindset, right? It's going to cause stress. It's going to cause depression. It's going to cause anxiety because you never let go of the baggage. Third R, let's get into this, is repair. The only way to harbor true strength Okay, true strength is to conquer pain at its deepest level, not surface level. A lot of us, we want surface level solutions. You know, when people ask me about relationships and things like that, um, I always tell them, yeah, you can, you know, exit the relationship or, you know, you can move on from the relationship. But if you don't get to the reason why you allowed yourself to stay in that relationship, maybe it was your insecurities that led you there. Uh, Maybe it was you know, a financial reason that kept you there. If you don't get to the root issue, the root, right? If you don't get to the root issue, you will find yourself back in those same situations because if you don't get to the root, I promise you 100%, just being straight up, 100%, that problem, that situation, that limitation, that habit, whatever it is, will find its way back to the surface. So this is what we gotta do. The first thing we gotta do in this repair process is you have to dig up the root okay no surface level solutions as i just talked about you have to be real with yourself and i would continue to ask myself the power word as i love to call it of why right why do i keep accepting this and i keep asking myself that until i feel like i got to the root issue why do i keep putting myself in the same situations that i know aren't good for my life Why do I keep accepting less? Why do I keep my worth in the hands of other people? Why don't I love myself? Why is my mindset like this? The most powerful word, or one of them, I don't want to give it that much credit, but one of the most powerful words is is why? Ask yourself why. The second thing that you got to do after you dig up the root, okay, is you have to plant a new seed, okay? Digging up the root is probably gonna leave a void in your life, but once you dig it up, plant a new seed. So a new seed is new habits, right? A new routine. A new seed is is new meanings. When I talk about perspective being your power, or your prison, maybe you dig up that prison perspective, but now you plant the seed of a, of a power perspective. And what really, I feel like one of my superpowers and we all have this superpower, is the ability to be able to see the good in everything. This is something that I've really been focused on probably the last two years of my life. That's where the whole, your perspective can be your power, your prison, is realizing that I'm in control of the definitions that I give things, right? I'm in control of how I define situations. You know, what, what helped me realize this was I was given a negative situation or a negative meaning, should I say, to, to for me getting cut from the NFL. But now if you fast forward and you look at you know, where I'm at now, obviously that's probably the best thing that ever happened to me <laughs> because I wouldn't be here if I never got released from there. And so I'm always trying to see the good in everything. I'm thinking about how can this build me? How can this make me better? right? If it wasn't for my past, then I wouldn't be who I am today. And I know that's like you've heard that before, But just imagine if you start looking at things and you start saying, well, if this didn't happen in my life, I wouldn't have been this person, right? If I didn't lose this person, maybe not losing that person, maybe that wouldn't have led you to your purpose, right? Maybe not losing that person wouldn't have led you to your strength. Maybe not not losing that job like I did wouldn't have led you to your vision. And so being in control of your meanings and understanding that your definitions are how you control your life. And I think it's how you control your emotional, your mental health. So plant those seeds of new meanings, new definitions, new habits, right? Habits that really serve you, habits that really push you forward. Even when those habits are hard to do, you got to find a reason to stay loyal to those habits, stay loyal to that mission, stay loyal to that vision. And also plant the seed of new environments, get around new people. And if I can do it, my introverted self, (laughs) then you can do it. Get around different mindsets. Put yourself in environments that force you to level up. Put yourself in environments that force you to grow. Put yourself in uncomfortable environments. Because if you stay inside your comfort zone, we all know nothing is going to change. Nothing magical happens inside your comfort zone. So if I'm you, I am seeking out environments that make me uncomfortable. If I'm you, I'm seeking out environments that force me to grow. I'm seeking out environments where I'm not the best. I love to be the worst. When I walk in the room and I know that I'm like the least qualified person, I'm like, that's dope because I know for a fact I got to grow. When I leave this place, I know for a fact I'm going to be a stronger me. I'm going to be a wiser me. I'm going to be a greater me. I'm going to be a better me. I'm like addicted to making sure I'm not the best in the room. I'm addicted to it because when you become the best in your room, you're always the best. You're never going to grow. And As we said earlier in this podcast, if you're not growing, that only means one thing. You're dying. Things that that are dying don't grow. Right. To flip that. Seek out those environments that make you uncomfortable. Go to the conferences. Right. Go to the the meetings that you don't want to go to. Go to the gym. You know, go to all these places that I love to call growth environments, environments that force you to grow. You know, there's a big talk about masterminds. If you're in person, you know about masterminds and tell you a quick story. When I was repairing my life um, last year. In certain areas of my life, because I wanted to grow, I felt like I was at a place of being stagnant. I was like, man, I need to get around people who really force me to level up. And I got to invite from one of my friends to go to a mastermind. And I'm gonna be real with you. Like, I'm not a, I am now, but I wasn't a mastermind person. I'm not going around a bunch of people I don't know. Like, I don't like what I'm going to, I hate like faking conversations. Like that's the worst for me. That's like my biggest fear to have to fake a conversation. Cause I'm not good at just faking, making up stuff to talk about. (laughs) So I'm like, what are we going to talk about? I'm like researching stuff, like how to like start conversations and stuff like that. So I didn't want to go, but my friend talks to me it. he's like, Hey man, like you need to go just, you're going to get so much, like you're going to grow when you leave here. Like I promise you. So I spend my money. I invest in it. I go to this mastermind. And what's funny is not only did I grow, but I made friendships and connections that helped me so much from a business perspective, from a personal perspective. But it took me walking into something that was uncomfortable to really grow my life. Again, if you know me, you know how fearful this is. Like I'm the type of guy, just to paint a picture real quick. I'm the type of guy that feels alone in a crowded room. Like, I'm the type of guy where I'm good. If I can just sit in a room and just, you know, stay there with my thoughts or work on something and I have no human interaction, I'm great. You might trend like, that's crazy because of who you are. I always tell people, I'm not a people person, but I care about people, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm not a people person, but I care about people. So plant that new seed, right? The third part of repair, we talked about digging up the root, planting a new seed. The third part of repair is water that seed. Because you can dig up the root all that you want. You can plant a new seed, and so many people get stuck here. But if you never water that seed, that seed will never grow. How do you water that seed? Well, you water that seed by having deliberate practices, right? Having routines that really help that seed grow, whatever that is. So if you're on a health journey, you have the routine of, going to the gym, right? If you're on a journey of personal growth, you have the routine, maybe listening to podcasts, you have a routine of of reading books, you have your, the routine of, you know, maybe you go to conferences every few times a year, you have that routine and those practices that really set yourself up for success, that really help grow that seed, you know, I wouldn't say as fast as it can grow because I don't want you to cheat the process, but if you can speed up the process in a way of not cheating it by having these practices, then then do it. Another way of watering that seed is you have to be in tune with your life, right? You have to be honest with yourself and be in tune with what your life needs. You know, so many times we're being extended so much, we're doing so much, and, you know, you might have kids, you know I, know, I know how it is, you know, I have a family of five now, you have kids and you're all over the place and you're not really understanding what your life needs in that moment. And I think one of the best things that you can do, we're going to talk about protecting your peace in a podcast very, very soon coming up, which I encourage you guys to listen to because it's like my secret sauce on how I stay so sane and stay focused, um, even having millions of people that follow me across the world. But you you're in so in tune with what you need, right? That you you give your your emotional health, your mental health, your your soul, your life, you know what it needs. It's like if you were hungry, you knew you know that you're hungry, so you give your body the nutrition that it needs, and your soul needs nutrition too, right? Your soul needs to be fed too. So you have to be in tune with your life. And that is my like rehab process. That's it. And it's pretty simple, guys. Like literally, you face your reality. And these are things you can do every single day. So when I'm waking up in the morning, this is what I do. Okay, what reality do I need to face? There's a reality every single day I need to face. Sometimes the reality is great. And I'm like running to it. But sometimes the reality isn't so good. I'm like, oh, okay. And I got to talk myself through this, right? But you got to face your reality. Once you face it, you got to say, okay, What things cannot go with me on this journey today? What are some things that I need to let go of? Maybe it's some things from yesterday that you're trying to bring into today, right? Maybe it's some baggage. You can't change yesterday. So you let go of that. Maybe that's the release that you need to have. Maybe it's a conversation that you need to have that's been bugging you and it's been driving you crazy and you can't focus on what you need to focus on because you're focused on, you know, the fear of having that conversation. So you got to release certain things from your life every single day. And the last part is repairing your life, right? What do you need to dig up? What's that new seed that you're going to plant? And how are you going to water that seed? And if you get good at this, which is easy to get good at, you will start to put strengths into weaknesses over and over and over again. And you will start to look back on your life. And you will look at your life. It comes to a point like, man, like how did I get here? And it's simply because you faced it. You released it. You repaired it. And something that can help you move the needle with this, I call it leverage questions. Um, I've talked about this on a few podcasts before, if you heard me talk about it, but it's it's like my my secret weapon is leverage questions. People are like, well, how do you get yourself to do it? Well, I, lo- I use leverage over my life, and I'm extreme with it. You don't have to be this extreme, but... A lot of times it ties to my family, it ties to my kids, because I care so much about my children, I care so much about my wife, I care so much about you guys in my community. One of my my main leverage questions is, if I don't do this, then my family is going to suffer, right? My choices will become my family's consequences. My choices will become my community's consequences, which is you guys. If I don't do this, then the rehabbers across the world aren't going to get fed, are going to suffer. And that leverage, literally, because I don't want anybody to suffer. So you have to find out what moves you. But those are leverage questions that move me. Maybe your leverage question is, do I want to die unhappy? And for some of you, you're in bad, toxic situations. And for some of you, don't change. That's going to be the rest of your life. I don't want to die unhappy. I don't. I want to live a happy, fulfilled life. And I'm afraid of that. Like It's like a fear thing with me. I don't want to die unhappy, so I'm going to make these changes. You know, do I want to live in regret? I don't want to live in regret. I want to live in appreciation. So as we wrap this up, I want you to, one, I want you to write out that list of people, right? Bridges, that's very, very important, right? Write out this list of people. Where are these people leading you to? Or where are these habits leading you to? Where are your mindset leading you to? And how could you make that change, right? What would be the change in that? What would be the alternative to... If you remove those people, what are the new seeds that you're going to plant? Maybe you get into uncomfortable environments that can put better people in your life, right? Maybe you develop new habits. So where are these bridges leading you to? How can you develop new bridges in your life? And the last thing I would tell you to write down is leverage questions. And maybe you write these leverage questions down on your mirror. If you're like me, I have tattoos. Maybe you get a tattoo of your leverage questions. But you need to be able to see it every single day because those leverage questions will push you to face it, right? That's the first thing that will help you face the reality by having these leverage questions, you know, in your life. I want to leave you with this quote. A reality not faced is a life not lived. Think about that for a second. A reality not faced is a life not lived. The life that you deserve to live will come once you face the reality that you're running from. But like I always tell you, it all starts with you. You keep conquering your struggle, creating new peaks. You go apply this rehab process to your life. Nothing changes overnight, by the way. So don't think you apply it today. Your life is going to be magically changed tomorrow. No, it takes time. This is a process that you should apply to your life for the rest of your life. All right? But make the world respect your greatness. Face it. Own it, conquer it, move through it, grow from it. That's how you become the greatest you. All right, it's rehab time. Let's get it and make sure you tune in next week because we're talking about how to find your purpose, right? The magic question that everybody wants to know. I'm going to break it down the way that you never heard before. If you love something about this podcast, maybe it's a certain part, screenshot it. All right, screenshot this podcast and share it because. I need you to understand there's people in the world that don't even know I exist. This podcast exists that need this exact message. And by you just pressing share, you tagging someone, you texting someone, you can be a hero in their life. I appreciate you. Let's get it. Straight up. It's hosted and recorded by me, Trent Shelton. The episodes are produced by Chelsea Harfoush and mixed and edited by Andrew Weller. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Straight Up with Trent Shelton is a production of The Hollis Company.